My name is JD. Glad you're here. Uh, Merry Christmas. And uh, man, I tell you, it's a uh, it's good to be uh, in the house of God. Can I get an amen? Um, most of you guys know this, but just want to keep kind of throwing the seed out there to you, uh, is that we are uh, in a, a bit of a season of transition as a church. Not going to spend an enormous amount of time talking about it this morning, but um, we are going to be moving from meeting in two locations to one central location um, in just a couple of weeks. We've got um, a very detailed frequently asked questions sheet that um, uh, you can find at our Get Connected Here space as well as online. Um, and any of our team and our staff would love to uh, communicate with you if you're just hearing this for the first time and you're like, what is happening? Um, we've got an enormous amount of uh, re- resources and videos and different things that we can provide for you so that you can understand the heart behind the what. Uh, what God's been speaking to us and how we are responding to it, all right? Um, So if you got questions about that, come to our team. Uh, We'd love to pull you in uh, as much as we can. Uh, Now, I want to do something a little bit different today. Uh, We have a legend in the house. Um, And uh, if I get a little emotional, I apologize on the front end because the very first time I met Coach Joe uh, was the first Sunday that I actually was the pastor here um, at Was Hope in the City, now Antioch, our South Campus. And Coach Joe was one of the first people that came up to me. And he said, I love you, thank you, and you would become a great fighter. If you don't know, he's a legendary boxing coach. So everything he tells you is going to be through the lens of the ring. And uh, Coach Joe is a literal legend in the boxing world. He has coached thousands, thousands of young people, not just in how to be an incredible fighter, um, but what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He has used his platform that God gave him, the skills of his hands, literally, (laughs) um, to be a place where the kingdom of heaven can dwell and reign and rule. And uh, a lot of you guys don't know this, but not only was he a warrior in the ring, he's a prayer warrior. And for years, for years, he would come here on Fridays. He would pray over every single seat in this place. He was also a servant. He would just, anything that needed to be done, sticking the little cards in the back of the seat, pens, whatever needed to be happening. And as he would do that, he would pray for every single seat that whoever would sit there would have an encounter with the living God. And uh, when I found out that he was going to be here, I was like, dude, we have to do something to acknowledge a living legend, a hero, a hero in the faith. And uh, every time I see you, Coach Joe, man, it just warms my heart um, because literally, man, life well lived, bro. Life well lived. And, uh, you know, we give out golden hammers around here. And golden hammer is what we jokingly say is uh, often duplicated but can never be replicated. Uh, and we give these golden hammers to people who go above and beyond in serving and building the church. And we thought, man, Coach Joe needs more than a golden hammer. Like a golden hammer would not do justice for Coach Joe. So we said, you know what, he, he's a golden glove guy. 
So Chris Padgett, can you award him? Look at these guys. Golden gloves. Come on, can we stand up and honor him? Love you, man. <laughs> oh, gosh. The real deal right there. The real deal. Love you, man. Love you, bro. Um, well, this is our third week of Advent. And um, Advent, as we have been exploring, uh, is the season of anticipation of the arrival of King Jesus. And it's something that happens in the church calendar. It's in the rhythm of the church globally to spend the first four weeks leading up to Christmas looking at the impact, the effect of, and the power behind the coming of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus. Advent literally translates to the arrival. Uh, And we've been doing that week in and week out. We've been looking at the fact that hope has come because Jesus broke into our world. Jesus is the hope of the world. He's the God of the turnaround. There's no hopeless situation that our God is not big enough to turn into a hopeful situation. If you're with me, say amen. Our God is a God of joy. When Jesus came into the world, literally his birth announcement was bathed within, hey, this good news is going to cause joy. For all people. The great joy that is Jesus happens to us because Jesus broke into the world around us. Joy has come. Today we're going to continue our journey in talking about the truth that peace has come. The peace of God is not something that. We should hope to run into in our life. No, the peace of God is available to us right here, right now, in the middle of our lives. A couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife and I took our four teenage kids, go ahead and start praying for me, um, to Houston to spend Thanksgiving with my side of the family. Now, that in and of itself is a carnival, okay? Uh, just multiply me out by a couple of brothers and my dad and all of our children. Um, and it's, it is going to be loud, vibrant, and chaotic, right? Overly competitive. Uh, the board games get violent. Lots of things happen, right? So it's, it's in and of itself a, a wild, fun time to be together. Um, but my parents also are the greatest grandparents that have ever walked the earth. And they spend every minute prior to us coming, planning every minute that we will be there, okay? So there, there is not a wasted minute when the grandkids are in Houston, okay? Now, rewind a few years ago, our kids were a bit smaller, and my, my parents were doing their deal. They're planning out every, everything that we are going to do while we were there. They call me about a week before we arrive on this, this trip, and they're like, hey, what if we meet you guys in Kima at the boardwalk? They've got all these cool carnival games and all this stuff, and we'll just let the kids do all the deal. And I was like, okay, sweet, man, that, that, that sounds incredible. So we arrive there, and it's exactly what you're picturing, right? It's like kind of like the 
bayou version of Coney Island, right? So you've got a Ferris wheel. You've got lots of games that you can't win but cost a lot of money. You have the spinny thing that you used to think was fun, but now if you think about doing it, you're still nauseous, right? Like the, that, that thing where you're like, I don't understand why this was ever a good time. But you've got that violent spinny thing. You've got the weird ship that goes just up and down and, and, you know, and that you pay $20 to do it, right? So all of those things. And then they had this like random roller coaster that looked like it was built by hand by two by fours, okay? Like it's not, it does, you don't look at it and you go like, wow, what a feat of engineering. You kind of look at it and go, this was built on a budget. This was like a budget roller coaster and it's not big. It does not look intimidating and everything there is geared for like kids under the age of 10. So I'm thinking so is the roller coaster, right? Like why would they have all of these little bitty kid games and then the roller coaster they have there would just be like for adults only, okay? So my kids love roller coasters. So they're like, yeah, let's ride, let's ride, let's ride. So of course the grandparents like, you know, you have, I have to tell my parents like, please stop. You know, like I'm like, who are you people? Like we asked for food and y'all said no. My kids asked for everything and you say yes. You know, and so like we have to tell our kids like, dude, don't ask Pop and Grammy for stuff because they're going to give it to you and you don't need everything that you're asking for, right? And so as soon as they said, man, can we ride the roller coaster? My parents were like, absolutely. You know, now they can't do it. And my wife, I'm laughing about it. It's not funny. But a couple of years ago, she had a stroke. And so she, her balance is off. So she can't ride stuff like that. So I was like, I'm going to have to ride the roller coaster with the kids, okay, which I don't mind. I love roller coasters. Now, I have also been tasked by my wife, you document everything, okay? Pictures, right? Have you ever come back from something? Husbands and your wives look at you and you're like, can I see the pictures? You're like, oh, I didn't take any. And they're like, how did you not take any pictures? And I'm thinking like, how would I take pictures? Like, I, I, it doesn't come into my mind. Hey, let's stop this really cool moment. Let's take a photo. It doesn't, doesn't happen to me. Like, it doesn't think. So I'm thinking like, all right, I'm going to try to get above. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go above and beyond here. We're, we're getting in the roller coaster, all right? And the kids, it just kind of worked out. It's a little two-seater ride. So the girls are sitting together. I've got two girls and two boys. Girls are sitting together. Boys are sitting together. And then I am in the, the seat behind them, okay? And I'm like, oh, this is a perfect picture right? This is a perfect picture. So I take my phone. I'm like, guys, let me take a picture, you know? And so I'm, I'm like sitting there and I'm like, all right, guys, you know, this smile, yay, you know? And the guy, all of a sudden who's running the roller coasters, we start to roll, you know, you kind of start going really slow at the beginning. The guy's like, sir, put your phone away with like, and I'm like, bro, you know, I've got like, Oh man, easy, dude. Like we're, we're at the Kima boardwalk, man. This is a phone, not a weapon. I mean, he came with like some serious authority, like, dude, put the phone away, sir, now. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, okay, yes, sir. You know, like I'm a rule follower. So I'm like, okay, okay, okay. You know, and then I've got the, you know, they put the waist thing on you and they smash it down, right? So now I can't get my phone in my pocket. You know, so I'm just like working it, but now I'm scared. He scared me. And so I'm trying to get my phone into my pocket, right? And, and I finally get into my pocket as we're taking this next turn. And I have to tell you, I was shocked. I was shocked at the violence of this little roller coaster. I, I, I mean, a feat of engineering. It is not, it is not tall. It is not daunting. But man, they make you feel it. You feel everything. It is 
I mean, whoa. And as I'm riding this thing, holding on for dear life, it was kind of, it was so violent. I'm kind of like the hands up guy. Woo! It was so violent. I'm like, I can't do that. That's like for the sake of my life, I need to hang on for this thing. And as we're going through this being, whoa, yo, I think to myself, I'm so thankful for the over authoritative guy running the roller coaster who said, put your phone away, because he knew what I did not know. He knew that this looked like it had, you had nothing to worry about, dude. You're not going to have any problem holding on to your phone. And he knew this dude's phone is going to be donated to the middle of the roller coaster if he does not put it in his pocket. Now, here, let, me, let me just be really honest with you. I love roller coasters, but I don't want to live a roller coaster. I love moments of the thrill, but I don't want my life to feel like that. I don't want every day to feel like that. I want to experience it every once in a while, but I don't want that just to be the rhythm of my life where I'm in this violent twist and turn and this up and down that I can't see coming. And I, I love roller coasters, but I don't want to live one. And I'll tell you, the past few years can be described as a bit of a roller coaster. For all of us, no matter who you are, what you do, rich, poor, employed, unemployed, it's been a wild ride. The world is always changing, but the acceleration of change over the past few years is historic. So many things changing so quickly, and there's nothing that we can do. There's no place, it seems like, that we can go that's going to get us off this wild ride that's happening in culture around us. These drops and unseen turns, these direction changes at a speed that feel that they shouldn't be happening, and this impact of what's been happening in culture is, is affecting all of us in profound ways. It's interesting. Most sociologists are saying that we are facing a mental health crisis. A global mental health crisis because of the uncertainty that we've been experiencing over the past few years. That even if things went well for you, the undercurrent of the uncertainty of what was around all of us has had a profound effect on us. The twists and the turns have been so real. They've been so violent at times. And it's wearing on us. It's wearing on us. It's had an effect on us. And I think if we were over the past few years, trying to hold on to our sense of peace, like I was trying to hold on to my phone at the very beginning of that roller coaster ride. If my understanding of hope, my understanding of joy was that I've got to keep a grip on it. These past few years have tested our grip. It's tested our ability to hold on to it as we've been on this wild ride. 
You know, our relationship with the Almighty God was never intended to be something that we hold on to out here. Our relationship with Almighty God is one where he holds on to us in here. That's what real relationship with God is. And I know your life's been a roller coaster because you've been alive. I don't have to know the ins and outs of your story to know that there's been some twists and turns, some dips, some dives, some things you didn't see coming. Some moments that ended up being bigger than what you thought they were going to be when you looked at them. Some experiences that were more complicated than you thought they were going to be when you started them. It's been a wild ride. But the promise for us that I, I want us to really grab today, the promise for us is that although we are living in what seems like to be a cultural roller coaster, a personal experience roller coaster, an emotional roller coaster, an up and down roller coaster. The promise for us is in relationship with Almighty God, it doesn't have to feel like it. It doesn't have to feel like it. To echo last week, there is a peace that we can find in the chaos. There's a hope available to us that is unshakable in the complexity of life. And his name is Jesus. And my hope for you and my hope for me in these days is that we look at the power of the coming of the living God and draw close to him. The living, breathing God who loves us and is for us, who will never leave us nor forsake us. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, I want you to turn to Luke 2, verse 8. Luke 2, verse 8. And last week I started here. This was Jesus' birth announcement, the declaration to the world that the Messiah has come. And I just want to expand it. I want to jump from the place that we started last week as we lean into what God has for us this week. And it says that there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And watch this, on earth, peace. On earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I want to really lean into verse 14. At the announcement of Jesus' coming, the angels declared glory to God in the Hyatts. In the Hyatts. I'm saying that wrong. Or maybe I'm saying it right and it sounds wrong. Flow with me. Highest, highest, highest. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. 
peace. And on earth, peace. And when the angels declared from heaven, glory in the highest and on earth, peace. The word for peace there in Hebrew is shalom. It is shalom. And that's more than just a Hebrew greeting. It's more than just the Jewish word for hello. The word holds within it an atmospheric declaration. Isn't that cool? I feel like other languages are just cooler than English, right? That a word can hold within it an atmospheric declaration, like it's, it's talking to the air, an atmospheric declaration, the better understanding maybe of what the angels were declaring to the shepherds when they said glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, they, a better understanding might be for us on earth as it is in heaven. Glory to God in the highest and on earth as it is in heaven. Shalom does not stop at a peace that means to be at peace in yourself or with other people. Shalom is a declaration of how things should be on earth because heaven is our goal. On earth as it is in heaven. Philippians 4 verse 4 is maybe a verse that you've sent to a friend or a friend has sent to you in a hard time. And it says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God and the peace of God. And the peace of God and the shalom of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I want you to see that when we really shrink our idea of peace in our lives down to something that we feel or we experience instead of the chaos that we might find ourselves in, we miss that the peace that the Bible calls us to, this shalom peace, is a declaration of how things should be on earth just like they are in heaven. It's not just like, oh, let me take this away and give you this. It's a declaration over our circumstances on earth as it is in heaven. You see, there are two kingdoms that are active in our world. There are two kingdoms that are active in our world. And one does not stop and then the other one begins. They are both happening right now. They are both realities Right now. And the kingdom that you live from will determine your peace. The kingdom you live from will determine your peace. If you're living from the kingdom of the world, that will determine your peace. If you are living from the kingdom of heaven, that will determine your peace. Peace. Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, there is a peace that comes on us that Philippians 4 tells us will surpass our ability to understand why we are experiencing what we are experiencing. 
It's a peace that will transcend. It will be bigger than what we are facing. Again, Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And when the angels declared on earth peace, on earth peace, on the night that Jesus was born. Let me tell you what they were not saying. What they were not saying was from that moment, everyone on earth, every heart on earth that was experiencing tension, unrest, strife, fear, and anxiety just stopped in that moment. That's not what they were saying. What they were saying was what heaven was letting us in on is that when we are living with Jesus from the kingdom of heaven, there is a peace we live in regardless of what we are living in. When we live from the kingdom of heaven, there is a peace that we live in regardless of what we are living in. The kingdom of heaven peace that surpasses understanding is a peace that transcends our circumstances. It's a peace of the kingdom of heaven that is beyond what we are seeing or experiencing. And that's why it's described in Philippians 4 as being beyond our ability to understand. Because this kingdom of heaven peace allows us to operate and move in a grace in places and spaces where we should find no peace. Where we should experience no peace. If we're living from the kingdom of heaven, then we'll be able to operate in circumstances, situations, and in chaos in a way that will not reflect what we are facing. It will reflect the kingdom that we are living from. Living from the kingdom of heaven allows us to see life through a different lens. See life through a different lens. A few, uh, about last year actually, I went to the eye doctor. I wear contacts and, and she asked me, are you having trouble reading your phone? And I was like, no, I'm reading my phone great. She goes, cool, bust it out. Show me. So I busted my phone out and I was like, and she goes, all right, is this clearer? And she dropped, you know how they hold those little things? And she dropped them down and I was like, whoa. I had no idea that I could not see. I, right? I had become so, and basically, everybody laughed at me, the, you need bifocals. Okay, so I'm there. All right. I'm there. Thankfully, they do this cool thing now where I've got like two different contact prescriptions. Have y'all heard of this? So cool. Because I, I, was, I was about to have to wear readers, y'all. Like for real. And she goes, hey, if this works, you won't have to wear readers. And I was like, all right, let's try it. So she put a contact in my right eye that allows me to see short to read and a contact in my left eye that, so I can see far. And your brain makes the switch. And it worked. She was like, it doesn't work for everybody. Some people, they put them in, and it, they, they're like, the world is spinning, you know. And I put them in, and I was like, I can see. She was like, it works. I was like, the Lord is real. <laughs> but look, sometimes we get so accustomed to living life blurry 
that we don't even realize that we're having trouble seeing clearly. We don't even realize it. We become so accustomed to what it looks like to us that, that, that when the lens, the, the fresh lens comes on, we're like, wow, I had no idea. I had no idea that I wasn't actually able to see clearly. When we're living from the kingdom of heaven, it's like that. It's like the lens comes over our eyes and it's like, wow, I had no idea that I had been living my life not really being able to see clearly. The lens of shalom, the, the lens of the kingdom of heaven, the lens of on earth as it is in heaven, when we put that on, what we, we see what's happening around us in a completely different way. We see what we're experiencing in a completely different way. And what we see when, when Jesus was prophesied that he was coming in Isaiah 9. And you, you can't talk about, you can't do, like I've, you're, some of y'all are like, you say the scripture every week. You know what? I probably should say it 52 weeks out of the year because it's that dang good. Isaiah 9 verse 6. This is the promise of what Jesus, this is Jesus is coming. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. Man, that just, it just brings peace into the room. If you trust that, if, the, if you trust the Bible, that just should bring peace into your soul. Especially in our climate right now. The government is on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father and what? The Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace. The increase of his government and peace. Of his rule and reign, his peace, there will be no end. What that means for us, very practically, is if we're living with the lens of the kingdom of heaven, if we are living from that place of shalom, peace, living from the place of the reign of the once wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and the prince of peace, that we can look at situations that are void of peace and experience peace. You can face a situation that is void of peace and experience peace because the lens you're living through is a lens of peace. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? This, is, this changes how we see everything that we are facing. Division in our family. Man, the holidays can be a beautiful time and a confusing time. Because it just brings you right up, just brings the dysfunction close sometimes. Where you're like, woo! You know, and then you think like, man, do my brothers think of me the way I think of them? You know what I mean? Like, you're like, whoa! And you can get it kind of both ways. Like, man, they're just as annoyed at me as I am at them. You know, just the dysfunction can just get real close. And, and, and my brothers and I get along great. You take in like, I don't talk to my siblings anymore. It gets even harder. I haven't seen my mom in two years. It gets even harder. 
We had a falling out. We haven't spoken. The holidays are like, bring up that, uh, you, you can't escape it because everyone's talking about what you're doing. You're going home, you're seeing your family, right? And so you just, you can't escape the dysfunction, the division, the chaos. And sometimes, man, it's just like, maybe you're in one of those families where you don't talk about the fact that you're divided. And so you're all together, but you're divided. And it's exhausting emotionally. You're, you're sitting around the table, everybody trying to pretend that everything's okay and everything's not okay. And you're like, "Woo, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I can keep this up anymore. If, the, if we believe that the Bible is real and God is who he says he is, we can be in that circumstance, live through a different lens of the kingdom and see that chaos differently. We can experience peace in the middle of it and not hopelessness in the middle of it. Maybe your kids are cussing you out, leaving the church, lying to you. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you just found out that you or someone that you love dearly has just gotten a life-threatening diagnosis, really hard stuff. Really hard stuff, not lightweight stuff. Really stop you in your tracks, keep you up at night stuff. And we can walk through those things and experience peace. Not because we're ignoring what we're facing, but because of the kingdom that we are living from. It's giving us a kingdom lens in the heart. It's giving us a kingdom lens, an ability to see and on earth as it is in heaven while we are sitting in the chaos of earth. We need to think of peace not just as something that will replace our anxiety, but as a lens that will change how we see what's causing our anxiety. All of a sudden, what I thought was going to crush me, I can see through the lens of heaven and I can see how God is holding me. I can see how God is with me, how God is for me, how he's never left me nor forsaken me. Now, I want us to jump to Luke 8 because I want you to see the impact of what looking through the kingdom of heaven lends, the, the, the on earth as it is in heaven, the peace, the faith that, that can happen when you're living from the other kingdom, when you're facing really hard situations. Luke 8, verse 51, when he, Jesus, arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the child's father and mother. Now, let me give you backstory without us reading 30 verses. What's happening here is this father, his daughter had gotten deathly ill. He had heard that Jesus operated from another kingdom. That when Jesus prayed for people, that they got well. And so he left his family and he found out where Jesus was. He ran to where Jesus was. As soon as Jesus got off of a boat, he said, Jesus, will you come and pray for my daughter? She is going to die if you don't come and pray for my daughter. And, and, and Jesus says what Jesus says, of course. And so they begin to make their way back to Jairus' house. And on their way they run into another woman. Some of you might know this story. It's known as the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus was walking, right? And he said, who touched me? And his disciples were like, Jesus, everyone's touching you. 
And he's like, no, 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 somebody touched me. When they touched me, power flew out of me. Who was it? And this woman with fear and trembling was like, it was me. I've been sick. I've wasted all my money trying to get well. I don't know how, how, to, how to get better. And, and, and she was made completely well, restored and healed in that moment. And what's crazy is almost immediately after this miracle happens, Jairus gets word that his daughter has died. So Jesus is on his way to pray for his daughter. Another miracle happens that slows Jesus down. And now his daughter is dead. And it says this in verse 40, 52. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. You know, I was spending some time thinking about this passage this week. I was like, man, this moment just defines so well how I have felt over the past couple months. It's like, man, it's like breakthrough, people experiencing just unbelievable breakthrough. And then just like, just like a few weeks ago, I did a funeral of a guy who goes to our North Campus, 37 years old, three little babies died of cancer. And you're just like, what? What? It's like stories of people getting saved, stories of marriages getting restored, stories of people getting free, stories of people's hearts coming alive in Jesus, stories of broken situations being made right, stories of, of, of people being obedient to what God's calling them to and the blessing of God falling on them, and then the stories of just the absolute worst things that you can hear, absolute worst things that you can imagine happening simultaneously at the same time the same time you're just like you leave you leave a funeral and you get a phone call about a testimony I mean can you imagine what Jairus's dad's feeling at this moment his daughter had just died and he had just witnessed with his own eyes the the healing power that he had heard of he just saw it he's like whoa this is real his heart had to be exploding within him then he gets the news right after that hey your daughter's dead she didn't make it everyone's wailing and weeping and crying. But Jesus does not stop journeying towards Jairus' home. You see, if we were living through an earthly lens, it's over. Why are we going there? She died. It's game over. But Jesus was living from another kingdom. And so Jesus arrives at the house and he says, no one can come in here except Peter, John, and James and this little girl's dad. And he looks at them as they're going into the room and he's like, hey, I want y'all to stop crying. Because she's not dead, she's asleep. She's not dead, she's asleep. And listen, verse 53, they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. Look, this is what happens when there's a collision of the kingdom of heaven with the kingdom of earth. When you're operating from another kingdom, those who are operating from the earthly kingdom will not have any space for your faith. They will say, you're not seeing this right. You don't understand what's going on. Look, you're supposed to be sad and mourning right now. Oh, this is my favorite one. Look, you have kids. You're supposed to worry about them day and night. You're supposed to stress out about them. You're supposed to live in a panic that they're gonna get kidnapped by somebody. You're supposed to be freaked out all the time every time that they go to school. 
Why? Because you're a parent. That's what you're supposed to do. No, 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 no. Because Jesus says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. But you live through the kingdom of this earth. It's like you should worry about everything. Why? Because it's on you. It's not on God. Jesus says, no, no, no. Don't worry about anything. There's a peace that surpasses your understanding that you can live from. That even in the middle of chaos, even in the middle of uncertainty, you can experience peace. This is that collision. They laughed at him. You know what? And some people are going to laugh at your faith. They're going to laugh at your faith and they're going to laugh at your peace. And they're going to be like, y'all, you must be ignorant of what's going on. You're like, no, I'm facing what's going on, but I have a different set of glasses on. I have a different lens on. So I'm seeing what I'm facing in a completely different way than how you are seeing it. What's crazy is that Jesus then prayed for her, right? Miracle happens. Breath comes back into her lungs. She gets fully restored. She gets up. It's amazing. It's this crazy miracle. Everyone's like, wah! And all of a sudden, now they can all see through the kingdom lens, right? Because that's what miracles do. Miracles hand out kingdom glasses. That's why we're, the God still moves today. Because whenever a miracle happens in someone's soul or in their body, it's like all of a sudden it erupts faith in the room. And so now all of a sudden you're like, yo, give me a pair of those, dude. I want to live life through that lens. I want to live life that way. I want to see the things that you're seeing that way. And that's what happened. They were like, whoa, whoa, this is crazy, dude. Like, okay, I'm in. This is nuts. I thought she was dead, but actually she was made well. But the temptation for us is to leave that situation and then feel like we have to carry things that we're not supposed to carry. We got to carry weight that we're not supposed to carry. Look, I feel this all the time. I feel it as a father, man. As my kids get older, my daughter's 16. I'm like, yo, I just got two more years with you. I hope I did okay. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay. It was like, it's never going to come. And then all of a sudden it's going to come. You know, it's just like, whoa, we're here. And you, you get fearful. It's easy to get fearful. Like, oh man, are they going to be okay? And, you know, like, do they know what to do or they, you know and, and it's just like ah and then you have Jesus being like hey don't worry about anything you can't add a day to your life you can't add a minute to your life by worrying so don't do about it. don't do it don't do it there's a peace that's, that's available to you that will surpass your ability to understand Jesus tells us in Luke 12 who can add a single hour to your life who can add a single hour to your life because you worry. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Hear me. Worry is not responsibility. Can I say that again? Worry is not responsibility. Worrying does not mean that you're responsible. It's not, it's not connected at all. Living from the kingdom of heaven is trusting in the faithfulness of God and that's it. It's trusting that God is in control of everything that's happening and he is in both the good and he is in the hard. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast your anxiety on him, speaking of Almighty God. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Jesus looked at the little girl in Luke 8 and he did not see death. He saw life. His lens was 
different. And he looked at her in verse 54 and he took her by the hand and he said, my child, get up. And her spirit returned and at once she stood up and then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Wow. I wonder what might look dead in our life because we're looking through the wrong lens. I wonder what might look dead to us when we're just looking through the wrong lens. What, what, what if actually what we thought was going to kill us, God has given us to bless us? What, what, what if that, that, that the thought that you just can't get out of your head actually was given to you to set you up to see something that you just haven't been able to see? What if you thought what was going to destroy you was actually going to bring some healing to you? What's your lens? What, what are you seeing? What, what, how are you viewing what's happening in life? Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning, and through Him, Jesus, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that had been made, and in Him was the life, and that life was the light of all mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus has come so that earth can look like heaven so that on earth as it is in heaven. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. If you need prayer for anything this morning, we're here to minister to you. And if you just need the living God to come and just touch you, man, don't leave today without just coming up front, just letting somebody pray for you, man. Like the living God is here, right here, right now, to move, to restore, to heal, to bring life and to give us a lens that will allow us to see through the kingdom of heaven as we are living here on earth. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that in you there's fullness of joy. Lord, I ask that right now that you would come, that you would fill us, that you would overwhelm us, that you would captivate us. Lord, we orient our hearts to you. We surrender our lives to you in a fresh way today. And we say, God, give us the shalom lens, the lens of on earth as it is in heaven, that as we're facing life and challenge and difficulty, God, that we would see it through the lens of heaven because you are the God who works all things together for the good of those who love you. In Jesus' mighty name.